From the banks of Dewey Lake, it's the Dewey Pod Monster. Alright, welcome back. This is the Dewey Pod Monster Podcast. This is the original podcast about consumption. And this week we are ringing in the new millennium with new manium. And with me this week, as always, is the host of the Dewey Pod Monster Podcast. His name is Sean. How are you doing today? Just getting done fighting the devil. Getting done fighting the devil? Getting done. Getting Get her done. Get her done fighting the devil. I think the devil had the more fun fun objective in this movie. Well, anyway, we, we'll get to the topic in a little bit. What have you been up to this week? Watching a lot of stuff, surprisingly. I think we've... What? What's that? Like what? What? Like, I have, I've, like what? You're picking up the slack for us. Yeah, I watched it ton of stuff so everybody's gonna be tired of hearing me talk about what i watched but like i mentioned on the last live stream that didn't go so well i watched bama rush are you familiar with bama rush john i'm familiar with what it is but not what the actual like what it's about or like i've seen the tile for it quite a few times so so it's basically about the sorority rush at Alabama University, University of Alabama. Is that the A? Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Is that University of Alabama or Alabama University? I believe it's I believe it's University of Alabama. Okay. So those people. So I guess uh twenty twenty one on TikTok it was this big thing for girls, women to show what they're gonna wear to rush and all this stuff for for sororities. So this documentary is all about the the rushing process for so I keep wanting to say fraternities, but sororities on campus and they kind of go into like the secret society and I feel the machine. That's what it's called. The machine. They kind of talk about that a little bit. It's it's OK. They follow these few different students and some of them have to leave the project because there's like scrutiny from the university and from the outside, from all these like fervent fans that are of the university talking about it. So one girl drops out because she thinks she won't get accepted to this sorority that she's applying for. It, it I don't know, made me fearful for the future of my of my children i have two daughters so i was a little i don't know the whole thing was just like so vapid just you know it didn't have any substance it was just like pablum i don't have daughters but if i did i think i would want to avoid any type of informational thing about sororities for that exact reason so it wasn't it wasn't awful it wasn't i don't know as a 40 something person it was just kind of entertaining entertaining to see like what all that's about Uh, i watched a documentary called dig which I don't know if you've heard of, but it's from, I think, like the early 2000s. It kind of follows the Brian Jonestown Massacre, which is a band, and the Dandy Warhols, oh, yeah. which is another band. The whole kind of thing, it's this dynamic, like they become friends at first, and then they just really, they splinter, and the two bands are these like 60, 60s revival kind of music style underground like indie underground music and courtney taylor taylor's the lead singer of the dandy warhols and he kind of narrates the whole thing i think it's more from his perspective and it's funny it's not all free on youtube if you just search it up it's called dig and his narration at times sounds like he doesn't mind narrating and at other times it's just full-on contempt he doesn't want to narrate this thing anymore. The best line, I wish I would have captured this, in the whole movie is Anton, the guy that from the Brian Jonestown Massacre, they get in a fight on stage like the band does. The band amongst themselves. And he, he's sitting outside <laughs> on the curb outside this club and he says, you broke my sitar, motherfucker. So that just, that was like the cream of the crop. You and just sold uh, a, it sold me a ticket right there. <laughs> the other thing, we had talked about this when you and I had met in person. The American Gladiator doc- documentary, which is uh, 30 for 30. It's a two-parter. Did you watch that? That's on my list, too. Yeah, I watched it last night. 
What did you think of that? I didn't think it needed to be two parts. I thought they could have condensed it into one tight, like, instead of being two hour and a half-ish like pieces, I think it could have been a nice tight two-hour documentary. The main guy that they're talking to, the Elvis impersonator, I can't think of his name now, he seems like a real piece of shit. Like, just, I don't know, my wife walked in the room and she was only watching it for about five minutes. She's like, I don't like this guy. I'm like, I don't think you're supposed to. He seems kind of like a dirtbag. But the other guy who invented it, Dan Carr. Apache Dan Carr. He is like the most Pittsburgh looking Pittsburgh guy that I've seen in a long time. He's like Tom Sfini in Machete when he's all buffed up and like doing push-ups, but bigger. He just oozes that Pittsburgh look. And then when you finally see him at the end, he comes like staggering out in a fucking Steelers jersey and, a you know, all that so I think he lived up to his billing. No surprise at all with all the like injuries and all the like problems that those guys had, like that you never saw or never really saw off camera. Like it's like the stories you hear about wrestlers, but from a different angle almost. And I know one of them was a wrestler, so at least Yeah, the backstory is kind of they go behind the scenes on who actually created the American Gladiators and the, the guy Johnny, and I can't remember his last name now, but he looks like the Elvis impersonator guy. He looks like a dark-haired Donald Trump. Like, he he has the same I kind know. of mannerisms, the big suits and all that stuff. It goes behind, like, who actually created it, who brought it to the market, who made it popular, and they talk to a bunch of ex-gladiators. A lot of them won't talk because of this Johnny guy, but they talk to Gemini, they talk to Malibu quite a bit. I forgot, Siren is the female. They talk to... Dallas. Well, yeah, but who's the... But the, she's from the... Who's the, the one other... big guy? The gangbanger guy. Or the former gangbanger. I can't guy. remember his name, Saber. but that's the other one. Saber. And he yeah. wasn't a new one, but they talked to Malibu. They show his first, like the first episode. He they do the thing where they this I don't remember Cannonball, and he hits he gets hit off the platform, and he hits his knee on his on his head, and it gives him a concussion. I remember when that happened. I saw the episode, and then Bronco is the substitute that comes in, and Bronco is in it for like one episode, <laughs> and he never comes back. But they, I was kind of surprised that we didn't see. Like Lace, we didn't see Ice, we didn't see Zap. Nitro, Laser. Yeah, Dan Nitro Clark. I actually, a couple of years ago, ran this. Dan Clark Nitro was doing this kind of like a Tough Mudder Warrior Dash kind of 5K thing where it was like you had to do all these obstacles and stuff. And I and he was there at that race and they did it like maybe twice. It was like the Rock and Roll Gladiator course or something. And then they never they never did it again. So it would have been cool to see him on there. But he's one of those guys it sounds like they had issues with. He had issues with Johnny. They talk about that one guy who was a replacement for, I want to say Malibu at one point. And he had like the tennis ball ballzuka thing and he started firing it at the crowd. I remember that episode because I was, I was watching it like, is he shooting the fans? That's great. <laughs> so, well, that one guy, Thunder, they said that the mat wasn't or the pad that they were supposed to fall on wasn't inflated all the way and he fell. And he hit the ground like through the pad and busted his back up. That's a guy who's like really broken at in the like they don't stay on him very long, probably because he can talk very long, like physically. But he's the one guy that if you're going to really feel bad for one of them, it's it's definitely him. Yeah. So I watched that Dark Side of the Ring is back so we can talk more wrestler talk going forward. We can have more wrestling squared circle corner. The two episodes, two episodes in so far, it was Chris Candido and Tammy Sitch, a.k.a. Sonny, in some of the wrestling circles. Squared circle. I don't know which one's boxing, which one's wrestling. And then Magnum TA, which is, I think, Terry Anderson? I think wrestling is a squared circle because, like, high school wrestling is in a circle. And, like, pro wrestling is in a 
ring. So I, I'm pretty sure wrestling is considered the squared circle. All right. I'll take your word for it. I, I could be wrong, but I think so. That's what I was up to. How about you? So I fell into, I, I don't know why, but I didn't watch, aside from American Gladiators, I didn't watch many good things up until today. There's this barbecue competition show that I watched like the entire season of, which I just kind of sat on my couch getting hungry because I was watching fat guys make barbecue at a competition level. What I will say is I don't care if you're in a competition or not. If you're going to be like pouring sweat out of every like orifice of your body and preparing food, put a hat or a fucking bandana or something like that on like anything that anything that's going to soak up some of that nonsense, because I don't need to see all of your innards like oozing out onto my ribs. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> what's that? Sh- what's the show called? It's just called Barbecue Showdown. There's two seasons of it. It's on Netflix and it's your typical like cooking competition show. They just get like I don't know, 10 chefs together, throw them in a room and say, this is your challenge and go do this. And, you know, varying degrees of success, of course. But I don't know. I kind of like the mindlessness of some of those shows sometimes, depending on who's on them and if they're like, whether or not they're total idiots on the show. Not the worst thing in the world to watch. Then we've watched worse. Oh, for sure. Probably like in the last week. Um, Speaking of wrestler corner, squared circle corner, whatever we're calling it. So we'll we'll tease this a little bit. I'm not going to go too far into the t- this title that I'm going to bring up. But I watched it today, and this movie is a chef's kiss of golden turds of movies. This is on Tubi for free, and I strongly suggest anyone who listens to this show goes ahead and watches this like now because we've been talking about doing uh wrestler mania for july because wrestlemania is in july so we want to do just an entire month of episodes that feature wrestlers in lead roles and holy shit is this a good option for this it's called hell comes to frog town it stars rowdy rowdy piper and the premise i'll just read it real quick in a post-apocalyptic world dominated by mutant humanoid frogs the survival of the human race falls on women Finding the few remaining fertile men. I don't know how you can go wrong with a movie like this. Sounds amazing. But that's in the business. That's what we're calling a tease. We'll save that for the future. You said you had a bunch of other stuff you were watching too, or was that it? I know I sidetracked you with uh, American Gladiators. What do you, what I, I named off like six things. What else can I watch? I did. Oh, hey, Alone just started. 10th season of Alone just started. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that because I don't really know what that show is. You've never seen Alone? So they take. It's like, for me, this might not be such a great endorsement, but for me, it is the perfect turn on the TV, lay on the couch and fall asleep to show because it's quiet because they really, they, so they send 10 strangers out, 10 strangers, not like this is the real world, real world, but they send 10 people that are like survivalists out into the, usually the Canadian wilderness somewhere. Okay. I think, I think I know what you're talking about. So it's like a survival, survival competition. These people are all like the first couple seasons, they were all like random Joes that thought they could do survivalist stuff. And then now it's like professional. This is my job. I am a survivalist. I teach courses and they go out and starve for 40 days or a hundred days or however long it is. And the last person that is hanging around gets like half a million dollars or something. Yeah. It's not so bad. It's entertaining. Like I said, it's so quiet because they, they they all do the, they do all the camera work themselves. So it's super quiet and general, I'd go to bed so late and I wake up so early all the time. I'm generally like, passed out on the couch within like five minutes and i'll wake up and an hour will be done in like 10 seconds and i'm like i think i know what happened it's amazing how we can spend our time watching movies like arnold fighting the devil and humanoid frog people and yet we still are like lazy enough to be like oh i'm gonna watch these slobs cook barbecue for each other and see who wins or 
see who doesn't get eaten by a bear this week. Reality TV ads finest, right? Hey, writer strike. You gotta have. You gotta do something. You know what was funny about that gladi- gladiators documentary? They mentioned in that that the both the original run of the show and the second run of the show came about because of writer guild strikes, and now we're in another writer's guild strike. I'm kind of wondering if we're going to see a third birth of um a third birth of american gladiators would be a good time for it john ferraro is the guy's name the, the creator guy who direct i'm trying to just trying to look up the director of that because i think did you ever see that amazing jonathan documentary the amazing jonathan the magician yeah comedian magician i'm familiar with him but i don't i didn't even know there was a documentary about him yeah he was like i forget all the stuff i think he was he had some he had cancer, and I think he ended up passing away. But the documentary is the he same did, guy. He died, died somewhat recently. I want to say within the last five years. But yeah, oh yeah. Because the documentary is probably like 2019. But I think, so the same guy that, well, one of the directors of the American Gladiators documentary was the director of the Amazing Jonathan documentary. And there's like, I think there's footage of him smoking crack in the thing, and he gets the director to smoke crack with him, or meth or something. Some smoke some kind of drug i don't remember which one it was but not any of the ones that are recreationally available none of that surprises me again i i used to really like that guy's act but if you told me he smoked any number of substances no surprise at all yeah it's a good documentary because it's that amazing jonathan one to totally get off a tangent it on a tangent is like it really it's one of those documentaries where it really straddles the line of like is this real or is this like a work like sure Am I watching the real thing or is this all just an act that's being put on? So it's a, and DD from chat says that's, that's fitting for amazing Jonathan. Yeah. 100%. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a good doc. I think, and I think that one's available pretty, pretty widely. Do you know what it's called? I think it's like called the amazing Jonathan documentary. I'm sure if I, I, yeah. Okay. Very much more fancier than that. Making me do homework. Shit. I know. Full of recommendations over here. All right. Well, Before I get into homework, we do have a topic. Do we want to get into that topic? We do have a topic this week. We do have a topic this week. So I'm going to go right out the gate and say I am not at all upset that I made you watch Star Slammer now after you got this to be what we watched because I was not thrilled about this two hour fucking movie. But (laughs) the first thing when I looked at the at the when it started playing, I'm like two hours and like two minutes. What? Yeah. So if you didn't read the title of this episode, we are talking about the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie from 1999, I believe. Yeah, 99, titled End of Days. This movie, um, we always start with a third-party review. This is another anonymous review from Rotten Tomatoes. This one is more than one sentence, though, so take that for what it's worth. Anonymous gives this movie one and a half stars. This movie knows how to disappoint in so many ways. For instance, I thought it was... I thought is, I can't read. (laughs) For instance, I thought it was an action movie because it starred Arnold Schwarzenegger. Instead, it falls in the cracks between fans of action movies, fans of supernatural thrillers, as in it probably won't please any of them. This film has a soundtrack featuring artists like Korn and Papa Roach, but I don't hear any of these songs throughout the movie. Thankfully, I'm adding the word thankfully. (laughs) Also, it's one of the movies that exploits Christian symbology and I don't know what that word is. S shut shut top with a big word with the letter E that I'm butchering and gets it totally wrong. Who would have thought that a movie about Arnold Schwarzenegger gets religion totally wrong? Overall, the movie is basically a lie, one that fools you with an Arnold Schwarzenegger presence and falls on its flat, unholy ass. So why don't you tell us about the plot of this movie? Well, just before I get into that, this like 
as you read read that, I kept thinking to myself, it's almost like this is a combination of like uh, the Da Vinci Code and some other Arnold movie. Like they kind of threw them together because it Do has you remember, all that Christian's so symbology and everything. Maybe I, I made this up in my head, but do you remember in the like late 90s, there was like a wave of spooky religious movies like Stigmata came out and this and I'm Exorcism of Emily Rose, which might have been a little bit later. But there's a lot of like movies that just did this like sepia tone through the whole fucking movie. Pash era. What's the what's the the one with Mel Gibson? What's that one called? Passion of the Christ. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's not supposed to be a horror movie, but it's snuff film. So (laughs) but this if I'm remembering my pop culture history right didn't this kind of fall right in the middle of all that like pseudo religious like Christians are spooky like bullshit that came out right around the end of the millennium. Yeah, because that's the thing with this. Well, well, it's it's the I'll read the plot in a second, but it yeah, it's all the backdrop of Y2K. And I think with Y2K, right. everybody was afraid that like the rapture was going to happen, you know, left behind and all that stuff was popular with Corbin Burnson and Kirk Cameron and all those people. So, yeah, I think that that's around that time frame is when they could cash in on it the most. But let's read the storyline. So the plot is really short. And I think this on IMDb, just to throw that out there, I'm going to read the storyline because I think the storyline's a little bit more in depth and it kind of really just tells everything about this. So here we go. On December 28th, 1999, the citizens of New York City are getting ready for the turn of the millennium. However, the devil decides to crash the party by coming to the city, inhabiting a man's body and searching for his chosen bride a 20-year-old woman named Christine York. If he bears her child between between 11 p.m. and midnight on New Year's Eve, the world will end, and the only hope lies with an atheist ex-cop named Jericho Kane, who no longer believes in God because of the murder of his wife and daughter. Thank you, Ridley Levine, for that accurate storyline. One thing I really love about this movie is... They essentially explain this whole plot in the middle of the movie from a priest. And they talk about that time frame between 11 and midnight on New Year's Eve. What time and I love is that, that Arnold it, he, he, is that Eastern time zone. <laughs> I thought that was funny as hell that he just fired that right out, like because the devil's concerned about what time zone it is. Yeah, I like that part because it was like and they kind of hand wave it away. Right. And then they just really kind of hmm. You don't need to know about well, that. Well, they do that a lot. It's kind of like they talk about like, oh, 666, flip it over. It's 999. What about the one in front of 1999? <laughs> you know, they, they do a lot of that hand-waving shit away to kind of make this fit their little satanic prophecy or whatever. But I digress. What do you think about this movie? Where, where do we start here? Well, I mean, I think we talk about, we start with the storyline and kind of like what we said before this. So this girl is born. Well, she's 20. So 79, I guess, is when she's born. And there's this whole thing where she's born and, and she's like, there's this priest, I guess, in the Vatican that just looks out the window every night forever to see if the shooting star goes over the moon. And when a, when that happens, then they start calling all the hospitals, I guess, in the world. And the girl, Christine, is born and they immediately like whisk her away this Udo Kier this is let me let me let me let me sidetrack just for a second. This cast is ridiculous. Like all the people in this movie, you'd think like this is going to be a really pretty decent movie. We've got I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger. OK, that's the known commodity. We have Kevin Pollack, who's he can be pretty good. We have Robin Tunney, who was in the craft and a few other things. She's totally recognizable. If you know her, Rod Steiger, Gabriel Byrne, Udo Kier. Like I mentioned, yeah, in, Mark Margola says the Pope, yeah, barely. The Pope. So, Tuco, right? No, it's not Tuco. Who's barely. The, I mean, who's he in Breaking Bad? I always think of him from Oz. He was um, Nino something. No, not Nino. He was the other guy. 
He was like the second head Italian dude. I can't think of his name now. But he's yeah, he's in a super small part. Yeah, he's in it for like he's a, a super small part, but he's the Pope. Right. <laughs> the <laughs> smallest, most significant part of the movie. He is that guy. Right. So they have this whole thing. The priest, like I said, he just looks out the window every night when the moon because the moon comes up at the same time everywhere in the world. We we forgot he's Ace Ventura's landlord. <laughs> oh yeah. That guy. Anyway. So the priest is looking out the window. We got the thing. The kid is born. Then they take the child and the nurse is like, oh, we standard operating hospital. Po-. There's like this worldwide conspiracy network of like Satan worshipers that are waiting for a child to be born somewhere because they don't know where it's going to be. They take, I guess they must take every baby and they wipe the kid off. Oh, you got the, I don't know, the thing on her arm looks like an Omega. And they, uh, they, they cut a snake. Udo Kier is this like dark priest and he cuts the snake, this rattlesnake, and he pours the blood on the kid and the kid sucks on the finger. Where do, where do babies get cast? Like, where do you, who is like, ah, my kid, they're just born like a week ago. I want him to be in a movie sucking on some stranger's finger with like fake blood on it. This is a pretty giant one week old baby, but I don't know. It's probably a crew member's baby or something. The baby's uncredited and that's a, that's criminal in my opinion. Antonio Napa. That was his name in Oz. Okay. So then Arnold is this ex cop who I don't quite know his relationship to this security firm, but I think it's it's supposed to be his for him and Kevin Pollack's firm. It's kind of how I read it. Yeah, I think that's kind of what they imply. But when he shows up later in the movie to get all the gun store, you know, the cash of all the weapons. Yeah. They're kind of like, what the hell are you doing? He's like, oh, just cleaning up the laundry or whatever. I don't know. He says something. But Schwarzenegger quote. So he doesn't believe he's not. He's a non-believer because his wife and child were killed by somebody. And Gabriel Byrne is inhabited by the spirit of the devil, which is in the movie. The effect is like this poorly done, like predator semi halo see-through armor kind of thing that flies but moves slow as shit when they show like the first person camera of it but the thing with this is we were talking before was we, a lot of shit up in the process yes and before we came on we were talking about you had mentioned uh you had meant we, we were talking a different movie stan winston or stan winston productions i guess Stan Winston is the creature effects supervisor of this movie and everything that's practical looks pretty good. Like there's a scene, oh, for sure. there's a guy all cut up. His chest is all cut up. That looks pretty good. The CG does not hold up. Anytime Satan uses his like UFC Kung Fu kicks or Kung Fu punches, that looks really good. Like when he just fists a guy in the face and like blows out the back of his head or, you know, rips a dude's innards out like from his in- that's all fine. But yeah, the CG in this is very, very much so. You're you're very aware of the fact that you're watching a movie from 1999 when you see the CG in this. Yeah, I think some of the things like the effects things, the thing that really w- made me want to watch this. And I, er, as you do on late night, you're watching YouTube and a, this Conan clip showed up on YouTube and it was Arnold Schwarzenegger on Conan. And he showed a clip of this movie and it happens really early in the movie. And there is a guy who is that Gabriel Burns already been possessed by the devil, but we don't like Arnold doesn't know that. And we don't even find out Arnold's name. I don't remember the first time his name was actually said until about an hour and 30 minutes in here. Yeah. It's pretty late in the, like not that it really matters because he's Arnold, you know, he's the main good guy or whatever, but I don't remember hearing his name until I think they show up at the church at the end. Jericho. Yeah. There's this, there's a scene where there's this bum or he looks like a bum and he's trying to snipe out of this, 
of this window at Gabriel Byrne before we know that he before everybody else knows he's the devil. Did you notice that at the beginning of this? So are you talking about the scene with the helicopter at yes. the beginning when they're so <laughs> did you notice everyone in that scene looks like some fucking version of Ron Rivera, the coach of the Washington football team or whatever they're calling themselves now? No, they do. They all have those same like little oval like wire glasses on a fucking ball cap and like potch marks all over their face looking like they're getting ready to unsuccessfully call play from the 10 yard line. <laughs> no, I no, no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't think that at all. But this well, bum that's what it, I, shooting down <laughs> on on Gabriel Byrne and there's this ridiculous helicopter scene where Arnold jumps out of the helicopter to try and get this guy and he catches him and. The guy's like shooting next to it's his head. Another thing in this movie that's really poorly done is all the green screen work is really, really bad in this movie. You can tell all the stunt stuff that's done from that helicopter is in no way Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, no. <laughs> no, at all. But you and can also tell just, it's, it changes length. It's great. Yeah, I almost feel like they used that helicopter solely so they could put Arnold on a on a rope again and be like, well, now we have a reason why he's on a rope, like. It's not just because he's green screened until the end of the movie. Yeah, but it's just stark night and day. The practical effects, the few practical effects that there are versus the CGI. And like you said, it's totally 1999 CGI. So it's not it's not good. Well, it's, <laughs> it's not good. It's funny. That's one of the many like things about CGI compared to practical effects like there. I think we. I, I'll speak for you on this. We both have a soft spot for bad practical effects that are kind of entertaining. Like, there's something about it that's like, yeah, it's bad, but I'm still entertained by this. I don't have that same kind of nostalgia for bad CGI. When I see bad CGI, with the possible exception of the movie Slither, I just get annoyed. Is that fair? Sorry, you said anything bad CGI other than Slither, you get annoyed? Slither's the only one that comes to mind that's a notable exception that I'm never annoyed by that movie. But... For the most part, like, again, bad practical effects. A movie like, I don't know, pick one. Um, <laughs> any movie with bad practical effects that are just kind of sloppy and half-ass done, you can still find a way to either laugh at it or enjoy it, or it doesn't necessarily take you out of the movie. It might take you out of the scene, but you're still, like, enjoying what you're watching. I Again, with the exception of Slither, I can't say that about a, C- a movie with poorly aged bad CG effects. It has to be a really good movie, if, especially if it's like heavy CGI, yeah. for if they're really bad. It has to be a really good movie. Like it has to or just ridic- over the top ridiculous to be to tolerate it. I wish I could remember if movies like this, if I thought this CGI looked good back when At I saw time, it originally. Because yeah. now you're looking at it from rose colored glasses like CG now is so much better than what it is then even though it's still not preference but i i do wonder if because i don't remember hating the cg in this movie as much the first time i watched it it 20-ish years or however many fucking years ago at this point mm-hmm. but yeah it has aged fucking terribly like milk yeah <laughs> yes there's a part in this that i thought was really I was waiting for it you know we have this the first part of the movie the first i'd say probably the first 45 minutes to an hour are all kind of them trying to put the pieces together as to who they know a child's been born. They've kind of gotten that from the priest from Rod Steiger. They know that there's someone that's like the devil is going to try to intercept. uh, That's going to be key, like to give birth to the antichrist, I guess. But we have that first hour, first 45 minutes to an hour is them trying to piece the, the puzzle together. And when they, then the second half of the movie is them with her or at least Arnold with Robin Tunney, a.k.a. Christine York, I thought that the police work that they did to find the only, and I underline, bold, italicize, only 
Christine York in New York City. Like, really? There's one Christine York in all of New York City? It's like a Seinfeld scene. They're like walking <laughs> up to monks and they happen to walk into like her home getting invaded by the fucking clergy. And the first 45 minutes, basically up until they meet Christine, the first like 45 minutes of this movie is the textbook definition of a movie with a lot of shit going on that I don't really know why or care about what's happening. Like you see Arnold blend up this like bizarre protein shake full of pizza and Chinese food and whatever's laying around his kitchen and beer and I think Pepto you throw in there. Yep. You see this, you see him try to kill himself, but fail. Yes. Uh, well, the helicopter scene that, yeah, well, yeah, the helicopter scene that you talked about, he falls from the helicopter into a sewer or some shit. I don't know. Doesn't he like dodge a train in the, the tunnels at the same time? It, it's just, it's a just vomiting out shit happening and none of it makes me more interested in this fucking movie. Yeah. I mean, that's all I can say is, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you got a point. You definitely have a point. I thought it was, there's this whole scene so when we finally understand that Christine is the person that that Gabriel Byrne is going for and all this stuff, Kevin Pollack and Arnie and there's like a cop car or something and Arnie's inside. I think there's a police officer inside as well. And Gabriel Byrne is the devil. He has like unlimited power, basically. I mean, he doesn't know. They're like, it's really weird. And yeah. He pisses gasoline, basically. Like he could have just walked up and probably tapped the, the truck and it would have exploded and he would have clothes probably wouldn't wouldn't even been singed but instead he pisses and this he pisses the most that anyone has ever pissed and it rolls down the street under the van under a police car and then he lights it on fire like you're you're the devil like you have unlimited power i mean i guess like i it's kind of inconsistent what he can do and what he can't it seems like he has a lot of influence over people but he doesn't know things that he just doesn't know. Of all the things that bother me about this movie, that the inconsistency is about the devil's strength really isn't one of them. It's like a small problem compared to so many other things with this movie. Well, tell me some of the problems that you have. You always turn this on me and you're like, Sean, tell me what didn't you like? So what are some of the problems that you have with the movie? Keep you on your toes here. So it's just not good. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm all for a bad movie. I'm definitely all for a bad Schwarzenegger movie. This doesn't deliver on either of those things. Like there's bad movies that are fun because there's, you know, stupid shit going on and you're laughing at it. Maybe there's frog people stripping. Maybe there's wrestlers getting in fights with bazookas. I don't know. They're fighting a bazooka. Like literally put up your dukes bazooka. They might as well. I mean, it would have made this movie better. We've we've mentioned you have a really, for the most part, a pretty strong cast, especially if you look at people from this era of film and TV. If you say Arnie and Kevin Pollack in a buddy cop film, that should be entertaining. Like, that's enough for me to want to watch it. But you take a movie where Arnold is, I think this movie came out shortly after, shortly, relatively speaking, after his first heart surgery, when his career was starting to kind of go on the downslope like he had already done eraser and he had already done true lies no i like true lies true lies is oh so we're naming movies that you didn't like that he did yeah batman? Uh, well he, yes this is his first movie he did after batman and he had i think he had a hard problem i think it's his last movie he did before he ran for office and it just i, I know he got paid like 25 million to do this movie and i'm all for actors taking a paycheck movie if that's what they need to do if you can get the money get the fucking money like why not but this movie just feels like a paycheck for Arnold. It doesn't feel like he's really say what you want about Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like his roles where he's really good. He's really dedicated to playing that character. His movies like Predator or Terminator or 
you know, on and on. He takes a real interest in his characters, why his characters do what they do, and tries to make them memorable. And I don't feel like he does any of that shit up until the end of this movie where they're just whipping around on a wire and he's making Arnold grunts for five minutes before he gets thrown into a sword. I, I have to I have to disagree. I feel like not with all of it, but I feel like in this movie <laughs> Well, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like in this movie, he did put a lot of effort into it. I, this, the promotion tour, like I just with the Conan thing that I saw that clip, he's like, mm-hmm. I remember when this came out, it was very much like Arnold kind of talking about his, oh, really test people's faith and it'll be a thing that people question <laughs> God, their not. beliefs and whatnot. The the world and all the things going on, I've, you know, thir- 23 years ago or whatever, 24 years ago, people thought the world was crazy and now it's like, shit. If you thought it was crazy, then, right. you know, welcome to 2023. But I feel Stick like he around. Was, yeah, that should be a line in the movie. Stick around. But I feel like right. he was really he really put into it. There was nothing in this movie that felt like low effort. And we even got like uh, almost reminiscent of Total Recall, like blah, 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 face contortion, contortionist <laughs> act for about two or three seconds but i think one of my you're talking about at the very end when he's yeah, like when he gets he, when he's what, like ejaculating fire or whatever yeah for so. a 24 year old movie it's spoiler alert when the when the devil tries to get into him oh he gets i guess we should have said up. that yeah uh spoiler alert for the when we started talking about this movie 25 minutes ago we might ruin it for i him. think that's kind of i think people know by now but well okay oh, sorry. I'll, I'll believe it but i think he did put a lot of effort into it but I, I think this is like the end of his first comeback right like you were mentioning so yeah i think they put a lot of bank on him carrying this movie and it didn't do too well from what I remember at the box office. I think it made its money back. I think it, if if only I had this right in front of me right now, I think it made 200 off of a $100 million budget. So I think it did fine money-wise, but I don't think it achieved the way they wanted it to. Yeah, estimated $100 million budget, gross 211. So, I mean, so in all in all, it's successful, but not successful by like Terminator standards. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, how could it? You know, let's be like, oh, I'm putting Arnold in a movie. We wanted to make the same amount of money as Titanic made. You know, it's just it's not probably not going to it's not wide enough, wide enough of appeal. But I, I have to say I laughed entirely too hard. And one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when it's revealed, basically, that Christine's step parents are like in the global conspiracy to worship the devil or whatever, to bring the about the end of days. He gets in this fight with the lady. <laughs> And yeah. it's this old lady, and she's like, you know, a little heftier, and they're like fighting, and he puts her head Doesn't through he the like glass. Throw table. her through a fucking table. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> that was. I, I mean, love. I like when somebody that looks like they shouldn't be fighting someone else. It happens. There's this huge mismatch, and the sure. person that you don't expect gets an advantage. They hold their own. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this movie does have a couple things in it that are really just Arnoldisms. That like you got a couple good like one liners like you get the choir boy line which is really especially his facial expression when he's rambling off that line telling Satan that he makes him look like a choir boy I make you look like a choir boy I I do enjoy when he um shoots Kevin Pollock in the arm and says quit being a pussy um so like I said at the end of the movie when he's getting whipped around on a wire well it's not supposed to be that but we know it's a wire he does some good like again 10 15 seconds of <laughs> he's flying through the air so spoiler eh, again they were okay so it it has a couple moments that make you like I mean again in true Arnold action movie like 
style. It has the worst train crash physics on the fucking planet at the end of this movie. Um, because I know if I'm in a plane crash, if I just hold on to that rod, I'm going to be fine. Yeah. Not a scratch. So here's another thing I want to say that annoyed me in this at, at a certain <laughs> point. Why the fuck's he keep shooting Satan? Well, it clearly does something. No, it doesn't. He's allergic to submachine gun bullet. No, he's not. I mean, he loses a chunk of his head, but he, he just gets that like creepo stare after that and keeps going. So you know why? Because the script said so. Between your faith and my Glock nine millimeter. I take my Glock. Oh, you've been waiting to do that. Haven't I have. You? Yeah. So, best, best line ever. <laughs> so we've talked about the, the pissing Malort. We've talked about, um, oh, we didn't talk about this. Did you notice when this, uh, my last little like stupid thing happens in a movie that I'll gripe about on this? Ever? So no, just on oh, this. Okay, good. So Satan shows up. He's at Christine's house. The whole house is getting lit on fire. Satan's here to fuck shit up. They go running out the fire escape. She still stops and grabs a jacket. Did you notice that? No. Hey, it's chilly outside yeah. and raining. Suddenly. Yeah, well, I think it's like, yeah. Well, you got to put out that fire somehow. So I thought it was funny that in this mad rush to run away from the devil, I got to grab a jacket. So <laughs> Don't want to catch cold. I don't know. I don't know if there's really a whole lot more we have to like break down on this. Do you have a lot more that you want to add at this point? No, I just appreciate that. I mean, Kevin Pollack, the character Bobby, he's never learned stop, drop, and roll. Yeah. <laughs> Has nobody ever heard of stop, drop, and roll in a movie? He's like engulfed in flames and he just, oh, I'm just going to die. And he just, I'm dead. Arnold's like, ah, oh, fuck it, leave him. He's dead. He can't just fall on the ground and roll around a little bit. I thought it would have been fitting if when he lights him up again. You're talking about the second time, not the first time, right? <laughs> well, yeah, the first time's more of an explosion, but yeah. Well, we don't really see the first time yeah, like that. You just see his face. <gasps> right. I thought it would have been fitting if he just shot him from out of his misery right there. Yeah. I mean, they're such great friends, I guess. Yeah. Well, he shoots him earlier to make sure that he's not the devil. Yeah. Even that didn't well, yeah, you just, work. you know, you're not the devil, are you? Just, right. ki- just kill him. I thought that it was like that we have this whole subway crash and... When I was watching it, I'm thinking to myself, how is this guy, an ex-cop who is doing police work for some reason for free, how is he going to explain that an entire subway line and like a church blew up, basically lifted off the ground and fell fell down? Like, how is he going to explain this? They're going to be like, why did you do this? Or what happened? And he's like, the devil devil, made me do it. Exactly. (laughs) Devil made me do it. That's the exact quote that I wrote down. I was like, in my head thinking, the devil made me do it. Yeah. All right. Do we want to break into hot dogs at this point, or do we yeah, have anything else I mean, we really want to add? I think we've hit some of the high points. I tried to focus on some the of the low points. points. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you want me to uh, kick us off, or kick you want to go off. first? This movie's dumb. Arnold does, is, he's Arnold, so it still has that going for this. Where this movie gets points, I get this movie points because it has Arnold in it. He does some Arnold things. He has some quotes, some growls, some grunts, all that type of stuff. Um, it has a couple gunfights, as is required with an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. The cast is pretty good. Pretty much everything else is bad. The religious angle is stupid. The whole, like, force iconography with the fucking 999 and making shit up as you go. I get it. Religion's kind of making shit up as you go anyway, but this feels like a stretch. The effects do not age. Well, the pr- the practical effects are fine. The Computer effects do not age well, and this movie relies very heavy on CG and explosions. And really, by like the third explosion, you're kind of like, okay, you can blow stuff up. What else can you do? Oh, you can, mm, you're blowing stuff up again. Great. In the big picture, as far as like movies and more specifically Schwarzenegger movies, I just don't think this one's very fun and not one that I, I can see now why it took me like 22 years to watch it again. 
Um, and it will probably be another 22 years before I revisit this. So this is not the worst movie that we've ever watched, but I would put it kind of near the bottom rung of hell of movies that we've watched. I'm going to give it like four pizza Chinese box protein shakes out of 10 hot dogs. Wow. Four Collateral damage. That's another one that was not. Oh, oh yeah. Sorry. That's kind of like the same as a racer almost, right? Pretty much. Yeah. So for me, I know in a movie like this, you're supposed to suspend your belief because like we were talking about, if they just had the the devil character be all powerful, this would be like a 10 minute movie. I mean, this wouldn't even be a movie. That might be. Oh, we didn't even bitch about that too much. But yeah, a 10 minute movie would have helped. (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, I, f- I felt like the pacing was pretty good. Uh, Arnold goes in the movie as a sinner. He comes out a saint. You know, is it goofy? Of course. Is it over the top? Of course. Is it entertaining? I think it is. I think the pacing is pretty good, even though it's a two hour movie. We have that kind of like movie in a movie almost where the first part is like, like I said before, putting the pieces of the puzzle together. The second half is like dumping the puzzle off the table and just totally screwing it up. It's not it's not Arnold's best work. Despite everything else on his filmography, I think if you go into a short Schwarzenegger film expecting ridiculous, uh, ridiculous violence, one liners and the thinnest of storylines, this movie meets most of those. They try to fit in action, action pieces. You know, we have the mobs, the Satan worshiping mobs and everything coming after him. Do I think I'll ever watch this movie again? No. Like, there's no way that I'm going to watch this again. There's so many other Arnold films that I'd rather watch. But if you give, if you're like an action movie fanatic, I think that you should probably watch it at least that one time. I give it six old lady heads through a glass table out of 11 hot dogs. <laughs> we really need to find a way to pick who has a better hot dog. Right we got to have people vote. Because it's becoming a challenge every week. Yeah. So, yeah, anything else we want to add on this one before we move on to the question of the week? No, I think I'm, I'm ready for that, that question of the week. So we didn't get a good response this time. Maybe Friday is not the best day to do this. People are probably busy trying to watch Taylor Swift. But our question of the week this week, and if anyone wants to chime in in the chat, we can include that as well, is what is the most ridiculous what is the most ridiculous action movie premise that you have seen? The response that we got, this was on Twitter, was from our friend Zach Clark. He you can find him at the Consump Podcast as well as the uh Daily J podcast. He's actually got a really solid answer here. And he says any movie where I'm supposed to believe that Steven Seagal is athletic. It's a little different now. I mean now he's just the he's in the chair. It's still a pretty solid answer in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, oh no, I so. I agree. And Zach's like an actual real podcaster. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, he, uh, he gets paid to do it. So my answer for this, and this is without diving into like the really, really like bizarre shit, like bizarre for the sake of bizarre. I would say the most ridiculous action movie premise I've seen is that I'm going to watch a movie where Nicolas Cage has his face removed and put onto John Travolta's face. And then in that same movie, John Travolta will act like Nicolas Cage, but Nicolas Cage is going to act like anyone other than Nicolas Cage. And that was what was made it truly ridiculous to be like, you're not acting like John Travolta. You're just being <laughs> fucking Nick Cage on meth. And that's amazing. So, Some would argue. Which is a movie we really need to have a, a discussion about at some point. In the yeah. Future. When you said that, I'm like, we have to talk about that. That's been a long time since I've seen that. It's been a while, but it's a fun one. Yeah. So. For me, I really you, like the whole, I don't know if it's ridiculous. I guess it is a little bit, but I really just like the whole dangerous game version of the action movie. I've yet to see one that's, you know, not amazing. We've got surviving the game. We've talked about that before. That's the Ice T one with like what's McGinley, the dude from Scrubs, and just about every so other have, thing. Um, 
I think uh, Howard, the uh, the Rutger Hauer might be in it. Oh, Gary Busey. Yeah, Gary Busey. Was that the teeth? <laughs> He's was the, that the teeth motion yeah. with your? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, and I think obviously my favorite of all that subgenre so far is one that we talked about, Deadly Prey. Basically, we the the whole premise of the thing that is movie like, still has a better that has a higher body count than like the entire Friday the Thirteenth yeah, franchise in one movie, <laughs> in one like. 87 minute movie but yeah the basic movie is insane and totally fun the basic premise of those types of movies if you're not familiar is like in deadly prey it's a military exercise but in surviving the game which is the ice d one that's like rich guys go basically they're using humans as prey so that whole thing's and then obviously the person's always some like ex-vet or something and they know they're like on a loan season 27 or whatever and they're surviving the, the 100 days eating a musk ox and i don't know uh, rabbit turds or something. But the thing that I love about Deadly Prey is low budget, low thinking, high entertainment. If you haven't seen Absolutely. that one yet, definitely go go look, go check for it. I think that is that on Tubi. Uh, there's a good chance it is. If it's not, I'm sure it will be. I don't think we watched it on Tubi. No, there's probably somewhat higher definition versions than what we watched. But probably we have you got to watch this kind of movies looking shitty. The way they were intended. Well, it's kind of like horror movies. Horror movies look better on VHS because it's almost shitty to begin with. You know, the same thing you can be said. There's, it's almost like a movie that predates like 1994. You want that VHS quality, unless it's something like Avatar. That's not 94. No, the thing. I'm fine with the thing having a higher quality. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. If it's maybe it's like relational to the actual quality of the movie. I don't know. I kind of like having both. Like I, I, another one I was thinking was like The Shining, which I I like that looking all grimy and gritty and all that stuff. But I also kind of like seeing it clean, so you can see all the weird shit that because you look at a movie like that, Cooper hides shit fucking everywhere. So I like seeing both angles of it. I guess it just depends. So oh, we have a so this is not an answer to the question, but to answer average Strusky, yes, we will do John Claude Van Damme movies. Uh, I'm sure Cyborg is one that we can talk about at some point. We haven't talked about that one in particular, but I don't see a fucking reason why not. I have a I have a little anecdote about Cyborg. It's not a good one, but I remember. I don't know if you used to watch Good Morning America as a kid. That was just like on in my house. You remember? You know who Joan London is? Yeah, we were a Today Show house, but yeah. oh. We got to fight. So, I don't care that much about morning TV shows. Honestly. Yeah. Joan London was like the hostess host. I don't know what the correct term is, but she was a host of Good Morning America. I can remember when Jean-Claude Van Damme, when Cyborg came out in theaters, he was on Good Morning America because they were talking to him. And the clip that he brought, I, I hope this is on YouTube. I don't know if it is, but the clip that he brought is the, of course, what do you think it is? I'm just going to ask before I Probably him doing the splits or something like that. <laughs> it's that scene where he's like up above eye level doing the splits. Yeah, that sounds about of course. Right. <laughs> How to introduce him to a mainstream Good Morning America GMA audience. Oh, it's Jean-Claude Van Damme doing the splits. I still love the stories about him being a general prick about his role in Predator because he had to wear the fucking costume. Um, and I would love to see like a break. I'm sure it's out there, but a breakdown of when. Because I know there's a couple scenes where it's still him in the suit. I'd love to know which ones are him and which ones are, I don't know, the guy's name that replaced him. But yeah, I don't remember what his name. I don't know. The guy that played Barney is the same guy, right? Is it? Okay. <laughs> I don't so, think so. <laughs> sure. Be great if it was. I don't think so. All right. Okay. Well, now that we're done bullshitting, we're going to go ahead and wrap on this. And what you can do in the meantime, what we would like for you to do, uh, Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, subscribe to us wherever you get podcasts. You can find all of our stuff at crap.town. 
We are on social media all over the place. We're always at Dewey Pod Monster. Darth Maul has bad acne, apparently. And also listen to Sean and find out where you can follow him and all his good stuff. Yeah, if you guys have requests on movies that you want us to talk about or other things you want us to consume, as long as they're somewhat legal, I don't have a problem problem with that. <laughs> but yeah, you can check us out at crap.com. Keyword is, keyword is somewhat legal. Yeah. Gray, gray, gray market? I don't know. Yeah, Anyways, there we go. You can find me and all my craft beer adventures on YouTube at youtube.drafttherapy.com. Been talking to a lot of people recently. Well, not recently, but been talking to people at breweries and telling their stories and whatnot. You can also follow me on all the social media networks at Draft Therapy. Bada boom. So I think that's all we got for this. You just got to find a reason to use that, don't you? Yes, I do. That's all we got for this week. And on that, we're done. Bam. It's John Claude Van Damme doing the splits. I still love the stories about him being a general prick about his role in Predator because he had to wear the fucking costume. And I would love to see like a break. I'm sure it's out there, but a breakout of when, because I know there's a couple scenes where it's still him in the suit. I'd love to know which ones are him and which ones are, I don't know the guy's name that replaced him, but yeah, I don't remember what his name. I don't know. The guy that played Barney is the same guy, right? Is it? Okay. I don't so, think so. Sure. Be great if it was. I don't think so. It would be. It's like Ray Parks or something. Probably is Predator. Who knows? No, it's not Ray Parks. I know that because it's not a white guy. Yeah. That and Ray Parks is short. And he's, I don't think Ray Parks is very tall. I think he's like six foot nothing, if that, at most. Six foot nothing is tall? Is not tall to you? Not compared to Predator. How tall are you? Me, I'm 5'11". Well, six foot's taller than you. That is. Short most stack. people are taller than me. Let's see how tall Ray Parks is. 6'4". Maybe I'm wrong. Okay. No mind. 6'4"? According to... Oh, that's Bobby Ray Parks. Who the fuck? Who is Bobby Ray Parks? I don't know Parks? who that is. I don't know. Ray Parks. This Darth is what Maul? you get when you watch the live stream. You get on all this I am hot Ray IMDb Parks is 5'9", so he is short. Oh, yeah. Wasn't that far off. Well, I wasn't that far off as far as... And being short, I True. guess. Okay. All right. You win. All right. Yeah. See, this is the live stream action of us Googling shit like how tall fucking Darth Maul was. Yeah. This will be edited out of the actual podcast. Fuck. He, the, isn't that like um, Darth Maul had an earring or something? He's canon- canonically has an earring because Ray Park forgot to take his earrings out or his earring out or something. Or nose ring or something. I have no idea. I don't remember. The picture I'm looking at, I don't see Darth any piercings on him. He has pokey things and red markers. He looks like a four-year-old. Pokey things. He's got liberty spikes. He looks like a four-year-old that got into a fight with a glue gun and a red marker. He's that, got, a, he's got a rascal helmet on or whatever those things are called. Radiskull. Yeah. Is that what those are? Those like little bike helmets? Yeah, that kids wear. <laughs>